Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. think is going to be a very exciting program tonight. I've invited four very knowledgeable food people who have their own uh, very diverse food companies. Um, Without further ado, I'll first introduce Cayenne Mai of Fusion Jerky. It is a unique blend of Japanese and American cuisine. And I might point out that I have... Uh, tasted or gotten people who know what they're do, uh, talking about to taste, test all of these products. And I, I have to tell you, they've been rave reviews. So, and especially with your fusion jerky, I have a uh, Japanese-American father-in-law, and he absolutely loved it, Cayenne. Great, so, thank you. welcome to the program. <laughs> thank you, Don. Um, um. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we do anything else. Okay. Um, yeah, so my name is Cayenne, and I, I'm originally from Taiwan, and my family is from there. I came here in the States when I was five, so I grew up in the States. Um, I launched Fusion Jerky last year, so it's been about a year, and um, Fusion Jerky is really a blend of um, kind of like best of you know East and West. It's Asian-style jerky, which means that it's a little bit more tender and softer, um, fused with more like innovative American flavors. Well, uh, we'll get back to you in a moment. Porvi Pododia is the founder of Vienna Chickpeas. I have to tell you, as a youth, I avoided them like the plague, but my mother and aunt both made wonderful dishes with it. And oh, she has a high-protein, high-fiber snack that is a great alternative to potato chips. Welcome to the program. Thanks. welcome. Thank you so much. Did you hear me? Or can you hear me? Yes, okay? perfect. Okay. Um... Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, yes, so I'm the founder and CEO of Bienna Snacks. We we have a line of roasted chickpeas. As you said, it's um, it's a healthy alternative to your standard chips and nuts. Um, these are roasted chickpeas, so they're high in protein, high in fiber, and um, just have tons of flavor as well. Oh. Janine Sacco, welcome to the program. And uh, I have to tell you, your chocolates, your bre- I'm sorry, that's the next guest. But if you can make breakfast uh, at dinner, I'd be a happy man. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Hi, Don. Thanks for having me. Um, so pretty much I ha- found a passion for cooking since I was five years old. And uh, I cooked in the industry for quite a while, almost almost 20 years before I headed back to school. And then I went to the Culinary Institute, um, studied culinary arts, and then went to the hotel school at Cornell. Um, And along the path there, um, I founded Grainful, which is we're a manufacturing company based out of Ithaca, New York. Um, We make frozen entrees using steel-cut oats, which is a great nutritious replacement for pasta or rice. So some really interesting entrees out there right now. Okay. And finally, but not the least, Amanda Henke, who has absolutely the most delicious caramels I have tasted in a long time. 
<laughs> Thanks for that introduction. Thank you very much. Um, yep, so um, my name's Amanda, and my husband Justin and I run Annie B's Caramels and Popcorn out of Minnesota. Um, I grew up in a family of snack manufacturing, so it feels kind of natural to me, although prior to this I was working for the University of Minnesota in health food. Um, but I got pregnant, craved caramels, and wanted to make some out of my kitchen, found that it's very difficult to do, and there was a caramel company already in operation here in Minnesota, and the couple who founded it wanted to retire, so we found uh, a way to purchase it, and and we're running it today, and I'm eating a lot of caramels and popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go back to the cayenne uh, beginning, and a question I asked, why, why did you start the business, and what did you, uh, why did you pick out this particular uh, food approach? So I guess I'll um, tell you guys a little bit more about my family background. Um, I actually come from a family that um been producing Asian style jerky for almost 50 years. So I actually uh. it's you know like the other lady said you know it's pretty natural in my genes that I grew up eating a lot of jerky and you know the difference is that in um in Asia and Taiwan the jerky is not really seen as like kind of like I guess a an unhealthy snack from a sea store or anything. Um, in Asia, usually jer- jerky is more a gourmet snack. It's usually priced a little bit more expensive, and it's a healthy snack. A lot of, pretty much everyone eats jerky. It's you know men, women, children. It's for everyone. So it's a little bit, I think, perception-wise, is very different than how jerky used to be perceived in the states. So you know, coming from that background, when I took over the business about ten years ago, I came back from business school from New York. Um, when I took over the family business, I, I'm still running our Asian line, which is, you know, sold in Asian supermarkets, but I really just, you know, I'm really, I really believe in jerky just because I used to hike a lot. Um, I was a hiker. I went to, I hiked Kilimanjaro, you know, Machu Picchu, and I snacked a lot on jerky, <laughs> protein bars. I mean, really, that Kilimanjaro, I think I ate like 40 bars or anything. So, and I ate a lot of jerky as well, and it was just a really good on-a-go snack. So as long as you make the jerky healthy. I think it's just a great protein snack, um, you know, that fulfills your hunger. So, you know, when I took over the business, I wanted to create, I knew we had a really good product in our Asian line, and I kind of created some more new flavors, um, but I wanted to just launch it in the American market because I knew that um, you can make jerky very healthy, and that's what I did. You know, I made our health like ours with no preservative, no MSG, lower in sodium, gluten-free. So all pretty much all natural. And I create it with more protein as well, just because I think most jerky you see out there right now is just beef. So we have four proteins. We have um, beef, pork, turkey, and chicken. Because I know a lot of people who don't eat red meat, they prefer white meat. So I wanted to give people that choice. you know. So And I wanted to aim for not just the men out there, but also women and children, which I think is very fitting for our, our product. So, yeah. Mm. But, Porvi, uh, you know, it's interesting. We have three health people on, and one what I uh, one that I call an indulgence, but what a great indulgence it is. Porvi, <laughs> why did you start your business? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, for me it was um, – I I initially created Bienna more for myself. Uh, I'm vegetarian, and I'm always looking for foods that are high protein, high fiber, and I am one of those people that when I come across a new food product, I I pick it up and I immediately turn it to the back to see, you know, for different people look at different things on that in facts label, but I'm always looking at that protein content. Um, You know, similar to what Cayenne said, I'm always looking for something that's going to actually fill me up. Um, I also have um, what I call a salty tooth, um, which is just that I love I love salty things. You know, particularly when it comes to to snacks, I want something that's like crunchy, salty, really flavorful. Um, and I'm also Indian, so I grew up being Indian and vegetarian. You know, I grew up eating a lot of lentils and beans and chickpeas and that kind of thing, and my mom actually used this fried chickpea snack growing up, and um, 
I was shopping one day when I was on I was on uh, maternity leave, and there was a woman who was sampling this new product that was being you know was being marketed as a healthy product, and um, I was just you know I tried it and I I was looking at the nutrition label and I was just like you know what this I mean it just wasn't really didn't actually have that much nutrition in it and I just thought you know I, you we've got to be able to do better than this and um, and that's you know I kind of had my aha moment at that time like oh you know my mom used to make these snacks and I wonder if there's a way to make them in a way that's because the snacks she was making they were fried and I just was thinking, I wonder if there's a way to make them in a way that's baked um, and, you know, with all American flavors and, and make it really, really tasty and still have that protein, that fiber, that really filling aspect to it. And so that's really how I started. And, um, you know, I, I also have a background in brand management, so I've worked on really large consumer brands. Um, and, you know, so I had that foundation as well. And um, so, you know, I just kind of put those two interests together and I started looking into it and I thought, you know, whoa, this could be something really interesting. And I just did, you know, hundreds and hundreds of experiments in my own kitchen um, with chickpeas trying to see if I could if I could create something that I thought really met my bar in terms of that taste experience. Because like you were saying, you know, there's three people on this show today with healthy food products. And healthy food products, I think, in general, have really exploded. And I think one of the first questions, I think, for anyone is that, does it taste good? And, you know, so good that you're going to want to replace something else that you're eating today. And for, for our line, it's about chips or nuts or, you know, other things that you're snacking on. And um, and so, anyway, so, yeah, that's that's how I got started. Janine? How did you get started? Uh, well, it kind of happened as an accident um, in, in some ways. Um, I was home one night cooking. I was making jambalaya, and um, I realized that I didn't have any rice for it. But I, we had been experimenting and doing a lot of development work with steel cutters. Of course, I had tons of them in my pantry. And uh, and I just thought, well, it's a grain. I mean, you know, it's sim- very similar to rice. You're going to have to cook it that way. And I made it, and uh, and it came out pretty phenomenal. I was I was pretty surprised by it. And I you know I brought it in the next day and shared it with everybody. And they were just like, you know, I didn't tell anybody. I- I'm always bringing food into work and and feeding people. So I didn't tell them that I used the steel cutouts to make it and. I uh, had everybody try it, and they all gave their feedback, and I was like, well, there's one thing. It wasn't made with rice, and everybody's eyes kind of split up. Um, and we had been making a frozen um, breakfast item using steel-cut oats, um, and we really wanted to just kind of put something out there that was, A, convenient, but also healthy and nutritious, just like, um, you know, Porvi and Cayenne, I think it's, you know, I think it's really important. A lot of people are looking for clean ingredients today, no preservatives, no artificial flavors. And I think for us, you know, we really wanted to focus in on um, providing people with with a meal that, that is very similar to what you would cook right on your own stovetop. Um, you know, and just using, using, you know, everyday ingredients, nothing special, but I think it's the way you layer the ingredients and layer the flavors that really enhances the the um the products and the and the experience. So that was kind of where Greenful took its launch. Um and we really realized, you know, selling selling breakfast, frozen breakfast is, is gonna be really tough. It's a very, very niche market. Um not that frozen entrees is a simple uh market to be penetrating, but um we knew that we had something really interesting. It was definitely different. I mean, um you know, oats for dinner is is pretty much one of a kind thing, and I I think we're just trying to really teach people the versatility of of steel cut oats today. So that was that was the beginning of of grainful, <laughs> really. Amanda, how how did you get into this business? Well, um, like I said earlier in my introduction, I was working in health food at the Un- University of Minnesota. And I had pregnancy cravings for caramel, but 
I didn't want to feed my uh, in utero child, um, you know, a bunch of uh, artificial junk. So I wanted to make organic caramels out of my kitchen. And so my husband and I took a crack at it, a lot of cracks at it, actually. And uh, it's very hard. And um, uh, we uh, came across this company. Uh, The couple had been in business for 34 years. They were ready to retire. Um, And it was kind of happy timing that we um, were able to secure a loan and then purchase the business uh, of caramels already being manufactured really well, in our opinion. Uh, When we found out about it, my husband went to get some samples from um, the company, and he brought there's uh, our, no, sea salt caramels home, and in one sitting I ate 12 of them, which is 75 calories a piece. I'm not even going to do the math, but I (laughs) thought, you know, being pregnant, I had an excuse, and I just said, there's no way we're going to beat these guys. They're the best. So we, uh, we bought the company, and we we signed the purchase agreement the same day I was in labor with our son, August. So it was a pretty big day. That's what I love about this program, that some of the most interesting things come out. Uh, I'm going to go back to Porvi. Uh, first, tell us your website so people uh, can get on it while they're on the program. Sure. Um, the website is BiennaFoods.com. That's B as in boy, I-E-N-A, foods.com. Well, you're now into the business. What have you found have been the, uh, uh, the toughest challenges you faced? What is the toughest challenge you faced in this business? Um, you know, I think, I mean, it's like, where do I begin, right? Um, <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of challenges, but um, I would say for us, it's, I would say manufacturing, just making our snacks in a way that um, that meets our needs and, and really lives into our our roasting process. So we... I really had to innovate and develop new ways to make roasted chickpeas. I mean, first of all, it's not a well-known snack food in the U.S., right? So um, it's, you know, the first question was how do I, sure, I figured out now how to make this in my own kitchen, but how do you make this uh, on a much bigger scale? Uh, And so that was really our probably has been our number one challenge as I've grown the brand and particularly as we've grown our distribution as well. Uh, and and also because we don't, I don't want to um, compromise on our production process. We really, you know, many people try our snacks and, and they'll say, whoa, I've, you know, I didn't expect it to taste so good or wow, this is, I've tried to make roasted chickpeas at home and they never taste like this. You know, what are you doing that's different? And and it's it's you know that's where all that sweat equity came in in the beginning on really figuring out how to make this in a way that as i mentioned that really passes our or my taste bar and um so yeah so that's been a huge challenge is just figuring out how to make these snacks in a way that um that delivers the taste experience that we want and and continuing to scale that as we grow the distribution of the brand as well we're going to get back to distribution in a bit, but Janine, what is, what's the biggest challenge you faced? Um, I think from a culinary standpoint, the toughest thing is um, trying to source ingredients while you're developing a, a an entree. And I think, you know, to give people a better understanding, it's, it's one thing to just grab for something in your pantry like white wine or um, or, you know, some kind of specialty uh, chili powder or something. Um, you know, pretty much everything is at your fingertips at your local grocery stores. Um, but when you are when you have to translate that into manufacturing it into two, 3,000-pound batches, um, your manufacturer, uh, we use a co-packer, so we contract out a co-packer. They're not going to stand for one-pound packages of a spice or um, they're certainly not going to allow glass in their in their facility. So it's we have to be very careful about how 
what we're going to be developing and what are the ingredients we can be using. At the same time, we really press our limits, or I should say I I press, you know, our operations manager's limits. Um, he does, Michael does all the sourcing for us. Um, and, you know, we just work really well together, but it's, it's a challenge. I mean, for one of our entrees, we just released a cheddar broccoli um, steel cutout meal, and um, it took us over six months to develop it. And you would think that, you know, something that simple would be very easy to source. You know, you've, the oats are easy, the broccoli, but the cheese, I mean, to get the right cheese, you know, we've, we ended up importing a cheese from the U.K. that not only meets our, our flavor standards, but um, it's also non-GMO, which is really, really difficult to come by um, here in the United States. Um, so that's one thing from, from the culinary standpoint. I think the other standpoint that, uh, or one of the other barriers that we hit, um, I think it's more of a piece of advice to other people is you've got to stay focused. We're, we're very, very good at not overlapping one another's jobs. So there's six of us in our business, um, and each one of us has um, different areas of focus that we focus on. And rather than us, you know, going into lots of meetings and talking about the same things over and over again, we really are able to be creative and, you know, have a 20-minute conversation with one person and kind of um, air out some of the ideas that we might have. And we're constantly chugging forward. Um, and I think that's, that's it's, a, it's a difficult thing to do because it's very, very easy to become complacent. Or, or you know, yeah, to become complacent, to to be frank. Um, but I have to say that we we got very good at not doing that very quickly. And you learn you you've got to learn from your mistakes and keep moving forward. So when we have um, when we run into issues, you know, it's not like a a big explosion and everybody's running around trying to put the fire out. We we sit down, we deal with it. We talk about the, you know, what are our solutions. Everybody is encouraged to um, speak their minds, and we debate a lot of things. Um, and at the end of the day, we all come out feeling, you know, great that we've that we're that we're able to voice our opinions. Um, and it, and we don't force we don't force our our opinions on people. We give you the opinion, and then it's up to that person whose area of focus it is to to make the final decision and say this is what we're going to do. So I think I think those are definitely, you know, the culinary standpoint, you know, certainly resourcing um or sourcing ingredients is is tough in the in the beginning and uh and just trying to keep focus as a as a startup company because it's it's very easy for people to come and give you an opinion, give you some give you some insight, be a mentor to you. It's very very easy for you to you know, your eyes light up and you're like, oh, my God, we should do that. And you got to kind of sit back down and, and take a step back and really look at, you know, what what are we focusing on right now? What's our what's our goal in five months? What's our goal in one year? Where do we want to be in 10 years? Um, and just keep etching away at, at every project. Um, there's, there's a lot of pots on the burner. Um, they get shuffled around constantly uh, via priority. Um, and it, the most important thing is that we're constantly making progress on all of those things, even if it's little progress, so that at the end of the month you can look back and say, you know, we 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 accomplished this. We you know we're twenty percent complete with this. You know, where are we on that project? Um, and and we're just we're continuously moving forward. So I would say that those are two things on my plate that that I focus on. And your website. Uh, our website is www.greenfold.com, and that's with the G is in Gary. Okay, Cayenne, you you're kind of different. You already knew how to run a company, but you you now <laughs> moved into uh, the U.S. market. What have you yeah. found? Um, definitely, even within the U.S., the Asian market is a little bit different than the mainstream market. What I found, I think, was the difficulty is um, getting kind of distributions, being competitive with national brands, because um, some of these other big um, turkey brands, they have a lot of marketing money, 
And I think that's really one spot that is very hard. A lot of the buyers and uh, consumers, they like our product. They, you know, buyers, they love our product, think it tastes really good, it's healthy, it's great. But then they, you know, pricing-wise, they want a lot of, you know, um, sometimes rebates or stuff that, you know, that makes it harder for us to be competitive. You know, we can't give that much marketing money. So we're a smaller company. So it's just, you know, we have a good product. And I think sometimes that you know, it makes it very more difficult to get into places just because, you know, the other companies are spending a lot of money to keep their products on the shelf. So it's harder for us to get in. I feel like that's one of the biggest um, kind of hindrance for us. And um, so, you know, we're trying to get it in, and it's going to take a little bit longer sometimes than expected um, for some of those national um, places. Yeah. What's your website? Uh, it's www.fusionjerky, F-U-S-I-O-N-J-E-R-K-Y.com. Okay. Um, Amanda, I haven't asked you that question. The question, what have, what have you found? My biggest now, first challenge. First, tell us your web. First, tell us your website. It is www.anniebees.com, A-N-N-I-E-B-S.com. Um. When we took over the company, it already had a personality, um, and that was not fitting to ours. So our biggest niche customer was actually found in um, hardware stores, um, and they're still our biggest customer. Um, but we found um, my mar- my background uh, it is in marketing, so we found the the branding and stuff to be outdated, um, and you know having new owners, we wanted to freshen it up a little. It was difficult to make that decision because a lot of people resisted the change um you know we're familiar with it but we tried to keep it as nostalgic of a feel as we could while just sort of making it a little bit more modern um updating colors and logo and and things like that um and it actually it, it was difficult it worked out for us though because uh our new logo got us noticed by um Oprah's creative director at a trade show and we were named one of Oprah's favorite things last year and he said, well, I was drawn to you because of your new logo and then I tasted one of your caramels and I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So um, I think it was a a big risk. It was some money that we weren't sure we we could spend, but we took a took kind of a, a leap of faith and really thought it out and I think it paid off for us. So we're continually working to sort of put ourselves into the um, more of a category of gifts along with keeping our loyal hardware customers. I'd say that's been our biggest challenge so far. Well, Cayenne, uh, is it Cayenne or Cayenne? It's Cayenne, kind of like the pepper. Cayenne. Cayenne. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, she brought up the fact of getting distribution. Does anybody want to comment on distribution and how they did it? How we found distribution for our products? Is that what you're asking? Yes. Yes. Uh, I know. I mean, for Grainful, I think, you know, we, <laughs> it's kind of like a catch-22 or a cat-and-mouth game, right? The, our, Wegmans was our first uh, big horse of a of a retailer that, that brought us in. Um, and up until about the 11th hour, you know, they were telling us, we're not going to bring you in unless, UNFI, which is um, stands for United Natural um, uh, Foods. Uh, they're one of the biggest natural food distributors in the United States. They weren't about to bring us in unless we had, a, you know, a big retailer with more than 50 stores that was going to bring us in. And so we were kind of, you know, it was kind of a balancing act of who do we go to to talk to, um, who do you go back to. But I think, you know, once once we got uh, Wegmans on board and, and they wanted it and we were able to go into the uh, distributors' um, CDCs, um, I think, you know, it's it's the, the toughest part is, honestly, you think, it's the, you think the hardest part is getting into the dis- distributor. The hardest part is staying there and, um, and making sure that you have velocity on your product, that you're turning product over and they're, they're, that the distributor is reordering product from you. So, 
you know, your first challenge is getting the product on the shelf. The bigger challenge is getting it off the shelf so that we can keep restocking the shelves. So, um, you know, and, and we're only in a, a, a small handful of distributors right now, but we're about to go national in, um, in November. Um, and I think it's just kind of like a, a, a chain reaction. You know, once, once you do well in a distributor, um, other distributors like to hear about that. And I think, you know, for the, for the food companies, you know, Fusion and, and Vienna Chickpeas, I think, I think you guys can relate to this. A lot of distribution centers are finding out that um, that there is a major need for healthy foods, and so we might be small fish in a big pond right now. But I think you know they're starting to pick up, pluck us out, and and uh, and you know kind of nurture us and give us a little bit more leadway than than most products because they want to build their natural um, natural. Uh, uh, option, so. No, I, I do agree, though, because um, I think a lot of, you know, we're getting a lot of um, inquiries about it just because, I mean, we've only launched less than, almost like a year, and I just noticed, yeah, we've been getting a lot. And I, like you said, I think once you get into one big national one, it just mm-hmm. comes so much easier for the second and third one. And, um, yeah. I mean, we're working on a few deals right now that hopefully by early of 2016 we'll be in a national drug, you know, drugstore chain. So I totally yep. agree with you because I think it just sometimes it's because it's a new product, people don't want to take the risk themselves. They want to see someone else do it first before they, pick, sure. you know, take your <laughs> hand on. So. They want somebody else to take that risk. Go ahead. And then if it's Keep successful, talking. they want they want a part of it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I do think that there are um, two different two types of retail partners, and I, I think the first type is, you know, a retail partner that wants to be the first. You know, they're mm-hmm. the ones who really care about the trends, and they're the ones who will take that risk and. And, you know, and especially for us with a chickpea snack, which, again, is a, I mean, three years ago when I first launched the brand, this was a category, it's still a, a sm- very small category, and at the time it was basically non-existent uh, or virtually non-existent. And, um, you know, there are retailers that they evaluate on their own. What do, you know, do they think this is a an, an interesting and a unique opportunity? And if they believe in it, they want to be the first ones to get to get it out there, and they'll partner with you. And then I think on the other end of the spectrum is the retail partner who um, it's they're you know the opposite. They believe that you know they almost don't want to carry new things. They only want to carry things that are. Um, have been around for a really long time or or are, you know, that they don't have to spend this energy and this time to educate the consumer about what's new and that's really not how they view their own company and their business. And so um, I think, you know, for a lot of brands, the owners or, you know, people that are driving the distribution side of the business, you have to you have to make that choice at least initially to see you know where do I want to get my start um, or where do I think I'm going to have that you know opportunity to begin with um, and there's pros and cons I think you know across the board based on um, you know which approach you start with so but for us yes. with um, for me with Vienna I from a distrib you were asking my distribution and how we got started I. I started out just knocking on doors, uh, you know, by myself. I called up, you know, a local store and met with the buyer basically when I had a basic packaging mock-up samples. And, um, you know, he was willing to take a chance on the brand, and he put us on the shelf, and from there I grew it to five stores. And um, and um, today we're in about 4,000 stores around the country so you know obviously at some point in there I stopped selling um door to door but um <laughs> but I think initially at least it makes a really big impact and a really big difference for buyers to be able to meet with the owner meet with the founder and and for them to hear your passion and and to really you know hear it directly from you I think it does um have an impact 
I, I definitely agree with that, Corey. This is Janine again. Um, I think the people, you know, they're those distributors that um, want to have products that already show a very good track record um, because they just want to have the best products that are doing the, the best down the market. Um, and that's what they want to do is sell products. And then you're right, you've got other other retailers who want to be the first to carry, to carry products. So it's, it, there's so many moving parts in, in any startup company. And I, I agree for us, we, you know, we started out, you know, hitting the ground running and we demoed at hundreds of stores. I mean, the, there were four of us, there were five of us um, that every weekend we would all pile into a couple of cars, drive four hours down to Westchester, New York. And um, we would each demo at a store Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was just, you know, go, 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 and get in front of the customer, educate them about our product. Because, I mean, frankly, nobody's really heard of oats for dinner, right? And they, I think a lot of people think oatmeal, instant oatmeal, and then, you know, mushiness, mushiness comes, to, <laughs> comes to mind. So we really had to get in front of a lot of people and show them what our passion was, um, and I think people really appreciate, especially buyers and distributors, um, when they when they meet the co-founders and they see that you're, you know, you're putting in all that all that sweat sweat equity and 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 just trying to get out there and and educate people on on your product and you know hopefully your product is as good as you think it is right I mean we can all sit here and say I grew up on this and. You know, I always say this was my favorite or I grew up on that or my mom's got the best tomato sauce. And But I think it's it's really the buyers and the distributors who make that decision for us. Um, and I, clearly we've we've all done very well, so. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Um, that by doing a lot of events and yourself that, you know, you get the passion and your, you know, product out there. And also I do think um, back to, you know, what she was saying about, you know, certain stores. I think groceries um, or supermarkets. They're actually a bit, a little bit more. I think I feel like they take newer, like more risk in taking new products versus mm-hmm. convenience stores. Just because, yeah. um, you know. But for oh. my product, you know, like a jerky product, it's sold in a lot of convenience stores. So I think yep. they're a little bit slower to catch on with the healthier. I mean, they're starting to, but not mm-hmm. as fast as you know, like the other type of stores. I I think that makes a difference. So yeah. you know. I'm really hoping that it would change because, um, you know, as a as a woman, I, I travel a lot and I drive a lot, so I stop by a lot of convenience stores. And <laughs> I have to say, a lot of this selection, that's why I wanted a healthier jerky because it's not very healthy, the stuff you find yep. in convenience stores. And that's, you know, and I don't know why, but women is a huge target audience out there that I feel like it's missing. You know, they're not trying to target. They're try- Maybe they're slowly changing, I think, and that's a good thing. But I think they still have to work on that, you know, to target um, females' audience as well as just men. So yeah, yeah, hopefully I, we see I, that. I agree. I mean, I'm gluten intolerant, and it's one of the uh, one of the toughest things is being on the road and finding something to eat. And for a while, you know, I had to travel with food because <laughs> I knew I had good choices with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that things have lightened up, and I, or maybe I've just gotten better at, you know, knowing where I can stop and where I can eat and what I can eat. Um, but I, I agree. I think I, I think it's 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 a revolving door. Hopefully, the door's slowing down, and some of these locations are, I think, realizing you know, healthy means something very different than it did ten years ago, um, and you can have a quick, convenient item that's grab and go that's so much better for you um, than what's in the in the market and has been in the market. So, mm-hmm. great. Well, uh, let's get to the the issue. Uh, how do you promote your your product, and what have you found has been the most effective promotional tool for you? Hmm. And for anybody that wants to, <laughs> <laughs> like who? Um, well, I think you're you know, being polite. One of the, <laughs> One of the way I would say is on social media, 
And I think because that is just a really great uh, marketing um, way to find new audience, and especially for the younger generations as well, and you don't have to spend a lot of money. And I think that is a really good way is doing a lot of social media, um, whether it's Facebook, um, Instagram, all these ones, and also events. I do think that's you know, um, it's food product. So people want, you know, you no know, matter how great you say it is, people have to taste it. And if it tastes good, you know, naturally, yeah. they will buy it. And I think that's demos is really important. So. Yeah, I I have to agree with that. Please identify I, I like, yourself. Uh, I'm, when you talk, please identify yourself. And say I'm sorry, that was kind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is Janine again. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, I worked for Dean and DeLuca, um, for, for a number of years, and um, if you're all familiar with it, you know you know the store is kind of like a, a food museum. And the first thing that you know we ever did as buyers was looked at the packaging. And if the packaging didn't look good, the product didn't pass. It didn't matter how. It didn't matter if it was, you know, the the best caviar inside the container. Um, so I think you know, for us. Um, it, you have to take that extra step. Yes, you need to have the right packaging, but you also have to figure out a way to get somebody to try the product. And we we found, you know, demoing for the first almost year. I mean, really going at it. I think we were we were going to thirty or forty locations per month, um, and we invested a lot of time and money um, into it. And I think it's really paid off because, you know, they say that the you know the top 5% of your customers are really the ones that you want to focus on because they're really interested in your product and um, and are kind of going to be your, your cheerleaders for your product. And so I think if had we not gotten out in front, of, in front of all those customers, in front of all those buyers and going into the stores and getting, you know, letting them get familiar with us and our product, um, I don't think we would have done as well as, as we have, um, I, and I think now you know we've we've realized um, it, there was a lot of effort that had to go into it, and there's a lot more business that needs to be taken care of back at the headquarters. Um, and we've realized that we could also you know promote the product by doing coupons and stuff. So we we get into we do a lot of promotional stuff, or we're actually about to do a lot of promotional stuff with distributors. And a lot of the um, bigger retail stores uh, running the running the product on on um, on promotion dollar off, I mean, eventually get down to your everyday low prices, the ALP. I think you know once we can get there, I think you know then the product that will help sell the product um, on its own. Um, and I think also too, you know, we were able to check off a lot of boxes this year. We were able to. Um, get our gluten-free certification, which isn't as easy as some people think it is. Um, you know, you have to get a lot of people on board, especially if you're contracting out your co-packer. So we're gluten-free certified. We're, we're able to have a, um, a handful of our products as low sodium. And I think those are some of the things that will help sell the product right off the shelf without us being there. Um, I know as a, as a gluten-free uh, person myself, I'm willing to try anything once. And I'll pay the I'll pay for it if it's eleven ninety nine for a for a pizza crust and I think it's going to be good I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for it so I, hopefully there's a lot more people out there like myself who are going to go and you know grab our products and um, and then become loyal customers. Janine, hey guys, um, our caramels are gluten free. Go ahead. And I'd be happy to send you some samples. This is Amanda. That would um, be great. Our caramels are gluten-free, our popcorn is as well. I'd be happy to send samples. And that's one promotional thing that we have found um, in order mm-hmm. to uh, increase volume in current customers. Uh, we'll yep. maybe send them products that they're not already carrying, and that's been kind of a a good little trick for yeah. us um, and a yeah, treat that's for them. Great. I'd love hey to guys, samples. Harvey, I was just <laughs> going to add, um, in terms of promoting the products, I definitely agree with um, – the ideas that you guys mentioned in terms of um, social media and um, demoing, sampling, and promotional activity in the store. The one other thing I was going to add that I think makes a really huge difference is merchandising. 
Uh, and it, I mean, it goes hand in hand with the with the promotion piece that Janine mentioned, and you know, it also does depend on what channel you're in. Because, like Cayenne, you mentioned, I know you're focused on C store, and I think this would be harder to execute within a C store environment. But I do think within grocery, and particularly if you are if you have distribution or you're focused in the natural channel. Um, you know, a lot of the local stores do, the buyers in the local stores do tend to have some leeway in terms of where they place your product. And they may not have leeway, you know, if it's a chain, if it's a natural chain, they may not have leeway on where your primary placement is. But if you've done a good job of going in there and, you know, building up your volumes, you may be able to get some incremental placement, you know, or maybe you would get that placement when you go on promotion or you have, you know, two big events over the course of the year. Um, but, you know, but if you can get that incremental placement, I think that that can do just wonders for just, you know, your brand acquiring new consumers without you having to do necessarily so much on your end. Um, so... That's one. That's just one additional thing that we found to be very um, beneficial and and um, useful for our brand. Well, let me interrupt you. We could go on for another hour, but we have another guest coming on board. Um, uh, I, I want to invite all of you to come back uh, sometime in the near future, uh, and hopefully we can get some more. I had a whole list of questions, but uh, <laughs> we're running out of time. Oh, starting with Cayenne, will you uh, uh, tell us again a little bit about your your product and, and uh, where people can get it, and uh, we'll go uh, we'll go down the list. Okay, um, so Fusion Jerky is um, a healthy, all natural jerky. Um, it's gluten free. It doesn't have any preservatives. It's also lower in sodium. It comes in four different proteins, which is chicken, pork, turkey and beef. And some of the flavors are chipotle lime beef, basil citrus beef, rosemary citrus turkey, um, chili basil turkey, um, basil citrus chicken, lemon pepper chicken, island teriyaki pork, and garlic jalapeno pork. So we have a huge um, selection for everyone. And you can find it at uh, Cost Plus World Markets, at Home Goods, and um, also um, coming, I think it's going to be in some safe ways as well. So, um, and you can find us online as well right now. So our website, which is uh, Fusion Jerky, F-U-S-I-O-N-J-E-R-K-Y, and hopefully in a few more months it'll be in more national places as well. So thanks. I'm going to skip to Janine because she's ran past her time and she has her daughter's <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, so Grainful makes uh, frozen entrees using steel-cut oats as a base rather than rice. Um, so it's a lot healthier for you. Uh, steel-cut oats are actually a complete protein, which a lot of people don't realize. Uh, one of the things that we really try to focus on is layering flavors. Um, we have a great porcini mushroom and chicken that is our signature risotto dish, if you might call it. Um, we also have an unstuffed pepper a vegetarian chili, and we're just about to launch our Thai curry, which is vegetarian, and also our Tuscan bean and kale, which is vegetarian. Um, and you can find our frozen entrees in uh, Wegmans in their Nature's Market section, frozen section. Um, we're also in ShopRite, and uh, we're looking to, um, uh, I believe we're about to get into Albertsons and, uh, and Giant Eagle. And then we also have a second product line that we just launched. It's our steel-cut sides. So you can make steel-cut oats as a side dish at home, which I think is a great way to help uh, educate people um, or I should say te allow them uh, to learn how to make steel-cut oats at home, uh, not just for breakfast. And so in that line, we have a madras curry, a cheesy oats, um, a tomato risotto, and a jambalaya. Um, and you can find our dry products on our website. Uh, we have a store, www.grainful.com, and that's with the G as in Gary. Uh, 
Thank you. Um, I wish your daughter a happy birthday. Um, <laughs> Parvi, please, a little bit about yourself, uh, your, your product. Sure. Um, so, um, Vienna Chickpea Snacks is our brand, and it's a line of roasted chickpea snacks in both sweet and savory flavors. So we've got sea salt, habanero, barbecue on the savory side, and on the sweet side we also have a honey roasted and a cinnamon. And, you know, essentially this is a snack that's super tasty. These are award-winning snacks. Um, We won um, Shape Magazine Snack Awards. Uh, this year, we also just won this month Cooking Light Magazine Taste Test Awards, and we're also uh, Gourmet Retailer Magazine's 2015 Editor's Pick um, product as well. So our focus really is on really combining this super awesome taste experience uh, that you want when you're eating a crunchy, salty snack uh, and combining that with almost unbeatable nutrition in the salty snack categories. These snacks are high protein, high fiber. Um, Together they have more protein and fiber than any other salty snack out there. So the idea is that it's really, really filling with 70% less fat than chips and a lot lot fewer calories as well. And your website? I also should mention they're also gluten-free, all-natural, low-glycemic, um, as well. So. You know, it all sounds so healthy to me, but I wish I ate healthy. But um, <laughs> uh, 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 what can I tell you? I'm a meat and potatoes man. But your website? BiennaFoods.com. That's Bienna with a B-I-E-N-A, foods.com. And uh, Amanda? Hey. Amanda? Can I hear a little bit more about the product? Yep. Uh, yes, and where you can get it. You have to be a little briefer to, briefer because uh, we're running out of time. Okay, I'll try my best. So we offer caramels and popcorn. Um, they're gluten-free. We offer popcorn in five flavors, including original caramel, sea salt caramel, sharp cheddar, jalapeno cheddar, and triple treat. And then we have caramel in 18 flavors, and we rotate seasonal ones. Some of our popular ones are original caramel, sea salt, butter rum, chocolate, chocolate sea salt, cappuccino, and then a ton more flavors. Um, We are mostly in uh, small locally owned shops. You can find retailers on our website, which is at www.anniebees.com. And if if you can't find a retailer there, you can email me directly, amanda at anniebees.com. Was I quick enough? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry to have cut you, but um, right. l- ladies, thank you so much for uh, an interesting program. Having sampled all of your uh, products, and, uh, which we do with most most of the uh, guests, I have to really say you've done a terrific job. You almost converted me. <laughs> um, but thank you for thank b- you. being thank with you. us. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Our next guest is Tom Brown. Uh, He's from HP, which happens to be my favorite uh, computer company. Tom, welcome to the program, and thank you for being so patient. Hey, Don. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Well, we've gone. We're going from food down to to uh, technology, the office, etc. Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. Uh, well, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I can actually relate ink technology to a uh, food recipe. And, you know, that's kind of what I do. Uh, they call me the inkologist uh, sometimes, uh, but sometimes I'm, you know, let out beyond the uh, confines of the lab and the inner workings of HP and uh, meet with customers, you know, and, and press and really help them understand the amazing technology behind how HP inkjet printers and these supplies work. And let me tell you, it's quite amazing. Uh, And so that's really uh, what I focus on here. And obviously, since uh, I work at HP, the first question I always get asked is, you know, why does HP Inc. cost so much? I'm sure we've all uh, 
heard about that before. And, you know, typically I'd go into this long conversation about the amazing technology and, you know, it takes three to five years to create just one ink formulation. And, you know, that's longer than, like, it took to build the Empire State Building, for example. So we spend a lot more effort designing, you know, the ink formulation in the system that goes into your printer than it took to achieve, like, these other, you know, monuments around the world here. So pretty amazing stuff. And it's not an easy thing well, to do, right? But um, you, you're also, the uh, reason you're on the program is you, you're introducing some new things, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. That's right. Um, you know, and this really helps me address the cost of ink, right? So everybody asks, why does ink cost so much? And I spend a long time describing to them all this cool technology. You know, like, for example, it takes 1,400 drops of ink just to create the capital letter A on a normal text document. It's an amazing thing. So instead of me having to go into all this conversation about this, my simple uh, response now is, I know it seems expensive at first. However, have you heard about this new program called HP Instant Ink? And what this means is that you can now have ink delivered automatically to your door for as low as $2.99 per month. And I think most people agree that you know $2.99 per month is not expensive. And by the way, this is the same ink technology and performance that you're used to getting from HP. There's no compromise in quality or anything like that. What we're basically doing is we're looking into the future here, and we're making uh, innovation today by turning print into a service, uh, in addition to options you know as you're used to normally buying. And that's the news. Well, what and but yeah, no, sorry, you first. Oh, no, and you first. You know, it's actually not a it's actually not a new a new thing. Uh, we came with this up with HP Instant Ink uh, Ink Replacement Service. Uh, about a year ago, um, and what's new about this news is that it's been around for a while. This is actually an adoption rate of one subscriber per minute, so people are flocking towards this now and you know, really, uh, really understanding that it brings a huge amount of value around the cost of ink, but also convenience, too, because it gets delivered automatically to your doorstep. And so because of this, uh, we're expanding the program even more now. And so the news today then is that uh, because of this fast adoption rate, um, we're expanding it to new printers. And so now we have actually 17 printers in our portfolio that have this instant ink um, capability. And so basically any printer within the past year, including all the new models, uh, if it's a web-enabled HP printer, you already have uh, – service available uh, if you want to sign up for it. Well, how does it work? I uh, it's it, really, uh, yeah, it's really simple. Um, I'm sure all of you are familiar with, say, like, you know, uh, Netflix or Dollar Shave Club or Hulu. It's a very yeah. uh, similar subscription program like that. So with HP Instant Ink, um, you have an option to sign up immediately for the program when you buy a new printer, if you want to. Uh, if you don't want to sign up immediately, you can do it at any point in time after that. It doesn't matter if it's today or a year from now or whatever. Um, and basically, you can, get, uh, you can sign up either online at hp.com slash go slash instant ink, or any retailer, like where you bought the printer, will have an instant ink card that you buy and it's just like a little gift card that you scratch off the code and you can sign up that way. And so once you enable the service then you have a monthly fee of uh 2.99 for 50 pages per month, 4.99 for 100 pages per month or 9.99 for 300 pages per month and that's probably better right for a small business the 300 page plan. And now you have a fixed cost of 9.99 per month say for 300 pages and uh, you get the cartridges will be sent to you automatically when the ink is low. So you don't actually get like a new cartridge every month. The printer and the supplies are very smart, and they're web-enabled, so the Internet of Things, right? And so the, uh, the cartridges actually trigger when they get down to a certain ink level to have a new supply sent to you automatically. It arrives at your doorstep. 
So this is a fantastic convenience, especially for, again, a small business owner. You know, you don't want to be thinking about printing, right? You just want to focus on your own business. And now this shows up at your doorstep when you need it with the correct cartridges, by the way, because I'm sure, I mean, me being the oncologist, I know what ink cartridges I need for my printer, but I'm sure most people don't know even the model number, you know, that they have. And so you don't have to worry about it anymore. It just shows up. And now it's a flat fixed rate, a fixed cost for your business. You can even, you know, budget this, you know, exactly what you're going to spend on printing cost. And it's just a beautiful program. And, uh, you know, with this, we actually have a 97% retention rate in our program here, and that's how successful it is and how value uh, I think our customers are seeing with this. And that's really an important figure, too, that 97% retention rate. It's because uh, you can get in and out of the program anytime you want to. So unlike, you know, like a mobile phone plan, uh, there's no subscription, like, lock-in. You're not married to anything. There's no contract for X amount of years or whatever. You can get in and out of the program anytime you want. Furthermore, if you feel like one month you're not going to be printing as much or if you're printing more, you can jump up and down to those three different plans, too, without any type of penalties. So it brings in this really easy, simple way to uh, you know, bring printing into the future as a monthly service like you're used to doing with, say, like Netflix. Wow. That's what I think. No, I'm really stunned. I missed your press briefing. Um, and uh, uh, and I invited you on the program because someone had told me it was a great idea. But uh, does that include if you have a four-color pr- printer like we do? It includes 17 different printer models across our portfolio. So the answer is yes. It includes basically any HP printer from $89 all the way up to $399. And so within that, you'll see there's multiple configurations of ink design. So it could be a two-cartridge system. It could be a four-cartridge system. It could be any of those. What happens if you exceed the 300-page the uh, limit? Yeah, good question. Uh, you can buy additional pages for a very low price. Uh, essentially, it's like, you know, you buy it in another chunk of, say, like 50 pages, you know, for an additional $1.50 or, or whatever that is. It varies depending on which plan you have, but you can buy additional pages. I know. Um, and furthermore, if you don't use all the pages in that month, you can actually carry over or bank to the next month, too. So you don't feel like you have to use it all to get your full value. Wow. Because um, uh, the cartridge uh, uh, for my unit, I don't know if it uh, is, uh, each cartridge is $125. And uh, I, I can't. Uh, I use mostly the black, but I can't. Um, I can't see how th- this would not be evident, uh, a way of really reducing costs. Yeah, it truly is. Uh, in fact, it reduces ink cost by about fifty percent, depending you know on which model you have and which printer you have and all that kind of stuff. But it truly is a savings, and it's truly mm-hmm. a, gra- a great way to approach. You know, this uh, perception, and uh, I would say it's negative perception that ink costs a lot, right? Most people don't understand the technology that they're buying. They think it's just colored water, uh, but it's truly an amazing technology. But now we can also address the actual cost of it with instant ink. Uh, And where do they go to uh, to see about this program? Uh, Well, any retailer. Uh, has information, uh, or most of the retailers, like if you bought an HP printer or an HP ink supplies, you should be able to find out information at that retailer, say, for example, Staples or Best Buy, uh, and then, of course, online. So hp.com slash go slash instant ink. We'll tell you all the information you need about it. Wow. That, that's really a, it's really exciting. I'm a, I'm a little stunned, but that's a clever Oh, uh, it's a, it's a clever approach to. But what are, what are your retailers saying about this? Because they usually make the money on selling the uh, cartridges. Well, you know, we're pushing this into the future, uh, and uh, retailers need to be part of that future design. Um, but yeah, there's definitely shared business uh, strategy going on there. Well, it's a it's a great approach. And, Tom, thank you for being patient and listening. 
while you're while you're on the queue, and uh, I, I hope our uh, audience learned something new today uh, about HP. Yeah, thanks. So now you can get your uh, HP Original Ink for uh, about the cost of a cup of coffee per month. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having uh, me. Come again, Tom. You always, whenever you come on board, there's always something new. <laughs> Maybe next time we'll go into detail, you know, about uh, the ink drop traveling at 31 miles per hour. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Don. No, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you